Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Let's begin now. Get on Out of Bounds, Dusty Likens, Jason Katz. I can't believe what I'm seeing in England right now. Boston, New York is now tied 6-6. There's still one more out to go in the bottom of the first. Sweet Mary and Joseph. How would you like to be producing that game right now Not if you're Boston or New York? Text line 660. The New England game is at 335. Well, I'm looking at the schedule, and it says Chiefs-Patriots, 12-8-19, 3.25 p.m. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Everyone seems to agree that Pablo Sanchez is the best player in backyard baseball. He was always my first pick. He always hit third and pitched. I always I had... I always had Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson was oh, my pitcher. For sure. And I had Nomar at second to make sure I had at least a backup pitcher. Although Frank Thomas was also a decent pitcher. You could also use Cal Ripken. Uh, I didn't have that early. Uh, I think I got. You're not that old? I mean, I'm old. You're Frank Thomas old, but you're not Cal Ripken old? That's fair. Not in backyard baseball. I never, I never had a backyard baseball with Cal Ripken in it. But I did play it a lot when I was a kid. I did play. I I could definitely mess with some backyard baseball. Yeah, I mean, all you do is click a mouse, right? I don't know. There's more to it. Not a whole lot more, though. No, but it was fun, man. It was a CPU game, man. It was before all this uh, PS3, 4, 5, Xbox One, Xbox Live, all this stuff, man. It was way before that. Uh, by the way, if you want to see the most gorgeous picture of Pete Sweeney, uh, go to at Chiefs Reporter. That's BJ Kissel's uh, Twitter handle. I retweeted it this morning. There's a picture of Pete Sweeney that is absolutely gorgeous. Line from one Jay-Z, Sean Carter. So fresh, so Sweeney. That's right. That was his first Twitter handle, you said? Yep. Well, anyways, speaking of so fresh and so clean, though, the Royals this year have been more entertaining in the minor leagues than they have been in the major league roster. And that's not a shot at the Royals on their main roster. That is just a shot to let you know that it is coming and that it is going to be here sooner than later than we think. In fact, last night, and we'll talk to Patrick Brennan of beyondtheboxscore.com. He does a lot of work with the Royals farm system. He's moved on to some other things nowadays, but he has a lot more information and a lot more knowledge than I do on these young kids that are about to make their name and make a statement for this Royals franchise moving forward. I know this year's been tough. Hell, at the halfway point, they were 25 games under 500. Last night, Duffy was dealing, and then all of a sudden, Duffy was dealing home runs. And the team kind of flipped. They lost, I think, 6-2, to two, and they played that young Toronto team where everybody gets to watch teams like that and think, God, where are the Royals with this? 
Um, Boston continues the inning as there is another single. As Jackie Bradley Jr. hitting ninth, they have now batted around. But when it comes to this team and it comes to the impatience of baseball, because baseball can be very drawn out. They play 162 games. They start in March. They go all the way to November, it seems, when it comes to the playoffs. And you just have to think, man, that long season, my team struggled last year if you're a Royals fan, my team's struggling this year if you're a Royals fan. And then you see things where you think, well, when does the light at the tunnel get a little bit more clear? And this year you saw in double A or in single A, Singer and Coart were dealing. They were doing well. And Singer last night went six innings and threw 100 pitches. He gave up four hits, one earned, one walk, six strikeouts. And from the Royals Farm report at Royals Farm, they said this. He was just flat out better than Springfield tonight. Didn't have his best command. He was just too good for that lineup. Good stuff. Those are the kind of buzzwords you want to hear when it comes to stuff like that. When it comes to the next wave. And not only that, but you want to see when it comes to the MLB's top prospects watch. And when it comes to the major league's top prospects, top 100, Brady Singer's number 45. Brady Singer has cracked the top 50 when it comes to the top 100 prospects in the major league's pipeline. Some of the guys have already made some appearances. But Brady Singer, man, seems to get it. And when you want your prospects to get it, they're going to be what they were their senior year in high school. Some guys are never going to be what they were in double A. Some guys are never going to be what they were in the minor leagues. That's just the way it is. And now when you look at the Royals' top five prospects, according to MLB, we'll do their top ten. Your top two are pitchers. One righty, one lefty. Brady Singer, Daniel Lynch. Their number seven prospect, Jackson Coar. Their number eight, Chris Bubich. Their number 10, Carlos Hernandez. Out of their top 10, one, two, three, four, five are pitchers. And the, the offense are names you should already know. Khalil Lee, MJ Melendez, Nick Prado, Suli Matias, Kyle Isbell. Those are the other guys that aren't pitchers. And that's the best thing I can tell you right now is that you know pitching is coming because it's getting better every level they move. And, like, we'd like to see Brady Singer maybe, maybe, I don't think it happens this year, maybe sniff AAA this year. If not, start AAA next year. And hope to God, maybe, that he's on the Major League roster and he's got that type of mentality that you want as a baseball player on your team. He's got that Max Scherzerist type attitude. You've seen the video when he gets pulled out, or they, I think it's a rain delay, and he throws a huge fit because he can't get out there and play baseball. Yeah. And you look at guys like Max Scherzer, who took a butt in batting practice off his freaking eye, broke his nose, goes out the next night, strikes out 10 in a seven-inning frame. That's the kind of guy you want taking the slab for your team. And that's the kind of guy they have. They've also got Jackson Coart, who, by the way, was teammates with Brady in college. You've got chemistry. You've got 
you have competition when it comes to your pitching in the little in the minor leagues. And one thing the Royals might get better at is they might start doing this whole beginners where they get guys in to pitch a couple innings like Stallmont and Zimmer who maybe can experience with that in the AAA system. And we'll talk to somebody about knowing a little bit more about that on the other side. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price, 610 Sports Radio. Back in on 610 Sports Radio, this is Out of Bounds. Dusty Likens is in today, and Jason Ketz is in for Nick Price. Hey, shout out Coach Bouchard, my uh, former Who? high school football coach. Coach Fred Bouchard. Oh, from uh, Staley. Yeah. Yeah, never heard of him. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I knew He's won like four or five state titles. Won a bunch in Harrisonville, then came up and uh, the originals we did in, in, in Is 11. he a better coach than Bud Kilmer from Varsity Blue? Absolutely okay. he is. He can get he could get under your skin, but he would do it in a much more tasteful way than what Bud Kilmer would. Could he get a softy like James Vanderbeek to lead you to a state championship? I mean, we had some pretty good quarterbacks. We had we had a guy named Michael Rich who was a year younger than me who mm. He was a winner. He, I kind of remind, or I kind of get reminded of uh, Alex Smith. He was kind of an Alex Smith type guy, really good character guy, and smart, um, smart quarterback. Yeah, handsome. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'll put it this way. I'll put it this way. We went forty six and five in my four years varsity while I was at Staley, brand new high school. How about this, Uh, Matt Miller? Do you like the name Simba as a nickname? Just called you on the radio at Patrick Mahomes. Quick reply. Reply with that was, I think that's Dwayne Haskins' nickname. 1,000 people like Patrick Mahomes' comment, only 157 like Matt Miller's, and then people just started responding with a gif of Dwayne Haskins saying, nah, man, his name's Showtime. Uh, joining us now on the hotline at 610 Sports Radio is Patrick Brennan. Patrick, how are you today, sir? Good, great. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Um, so I follow you on Twitter. It's been an interesting follow because you're just so involved with the farm system of the Kansas City Royals. You've obviously been a part of that, and you're obviously moving on to new things here um, of BeyondTheBoxScore.com. I want to start with this. We'll see Brady Singer next year on the Royals roster by the end of the season. I can't say 100% sure. But I think it's definitely possible. It probably wouldn't be early on, and if it were to happen, it'd probably be late in the season. I think he'll get an opportunity, um, you know, show Big League Club with what he can provide in spring training next year. So he'll probably pitch some innings in Big League spring training. And then he, depending on how the rest of the season goes with double A, he struggled early on. His last start was better. Um, he'll start a double A. If he improves, maybe he'll start a triple A. So he'll be right there. He'll be right on the brink. Um, don't look for it to be early in the season, though. Um, if it happens, think July, August, September. And it's not even 100% sure. I'm not even 100% sure it will happen. Right. But 2021 at the latest. What? So can we – we can kind of bring the percentages down, obviously, with the perf- – I just I just want to know where he's at. But, like, do you feel we see him in AAA to start the season next year? Uh, again, it depends on how the rest of the season at double A goes. Um he wasn't looking so great his first couple starts after dominating Wilmington. His last start was pretty good. Um, he he's so advanced for Double A. Um, he has he has the ability to be good in Double A. It all depends on how he puts it together the rest of the season, how he looks in spring training next year, uh, what the rest what the roster numbers are looking like between Double A Triple A. Um, I don't know where I would bet on him starting next year. I think the safe bet's Double A, but Triple A is definitely possible. 
Now, I'm going through Twitter last night, and I'm kind of reading some of your comments, and I see the whole Zimmer as the opener this year, 204 with his slash, 204, 306, 296. Uh, Zimmer in relief, 275, 391, 495. Stallmont, 148, 284, 230. When it comes to those guys, like the narrative around Stallmont has been controlled. The strikeouts have been there. The velocity's there. It's just the control's not really there. And kind of the thing with Zimmer is, because I still don't honestly know what the hell the difference is between control and command, but it seems that Zimmer, it's been the command, which is what Ned said is what got him sent down this year. How much further along are we until we start seeing openers for the Royals on the Major League roster? And is it going to take Ned Yost to no longer be the manager in order to start that? Because I know he's not really a big fan favorite of that. Well, yeah, if you would have asked me this a couple days ago, I would have had no clue. Um when they would start that, even if they would start it. Um, it's become popular around baseball. I believe now probably half the teams in Major League Baseball have tried it. Um, a good portion of them have kept it going, doing it multiple times. Um, it didn't seem like a royal thing. You know, Medman is a bit more old school. Uh, but Sam Mellinger came out with a column yesterday stating that the Royals were open to trying it and um, they were going to you know, maybe take a look at it in the second half. And they have the personnel to do it. They have a great personnel. Richard Dovelady, Josh Dalmont, Kyle Zimmer. And then there's guys that can benefit from, you know, uh, piggybacking those guys after, you know, one or two innings. Guys like Jorge Lopez, Heath Silmer, Scott Barlow. Um, so now I would say, after what Melinger said, um, that maybe there's a good chance they do try it. Uh, they stated they like the personnel to have um, the pitcher there, and um, I would be excited to see it tried out in the second half. Because when I look at the way that this team pitches, it seems that these starters, at least from what I've seen this year on the Major League roster, is that Junis has pitch count issues. Duffy seems really good, like really good, like classic vintage Duffy for about four and a third, four and two thirds, and then the big bang happens, like the home runs against Minnesota when he went almost eight innings. I think he did go eight innings and then gave up back-to-back home runs against Minnesota. Then last night in Toronto, the same thing happens. This is an example of where I think this can work, and I know guys like Stallmont and Zimmer each have power arms and have strikeout type of stuff when it comes to throwing the when it throwing their fastballs and throwing their spots in the zone. This has to be a perfect case scenario when you have guys like Junis and Duffy who can give you solid four and five innings, not just Jorge Lopez and Scott Barlow, but guys like Duffy and Junis who maybe after four innings they're done. If you have a guy like Stamont and Zimmer or somebody like that that comes in and pitches two innings, then they've just got to go the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh. And then you can start off after that. Do you think that this is something that the Royals would be better at? Or is this something that no matter where this pitching staff is currently, they're still waiting for that next wave and that it's just going to obviously be an up-and-down season? Yeah, I can't tell you if them trying to ultimately work out or not. All I know is they're in a position to try. Um, if they were in contention, it would be maybe a bit more harder you know, try a mid-season experiment. But they are in a position to try. They have nothing to lose. And then, again, when you have Stalmont and Zimmer starting out asking them to go just one or two innings, that means that you guys like Duffy, Junis, Lopez, you're not asking them to get six or seven innings and hand it over to, you know, a very below-average bullpen. You're asking them to give you three and four, maybe at the most five innings. So, and that can fit them out. That will, you know, probably see increases in velocity, um, increases, you know, you know, decreases the chance of that big inning. And then um, it's just it's just a way more optimized way to get to nine innings. 
How much of a combination of going to the same school with Jackson Coar and Brady Singer helps with their development in the minor leagues, moving up together and eventually probably, well, not probably, eventually getting to the big league roster? Is that something that's going to obviously be paired with them for the rest of their lives and something that's going to help their journey a little bit better? Well, I think it's pretty cool. Um, I can't say for sure because I've never spoken to either of them. Right. But I'm sure it helps a lot with comfortability. Now, Coar's been playing from high double A. So after being separated for a little bit, they're now both pitching double-A. Right. Um, Coar is probably a bit behind Singer in terms of development. So Singer will get the big leagues first, but either way, they're pretty close on timetable and prospect terms. Um, they should probably both be pitching in Kansas City by 2021. Um, but I think it's pretty cool. Uh, they, I believe they're called roommates. Um, you know, they were the two best pitchers on that you know, good Florida baseball team a couple years ago. And then... Um, Wells actually drafted another color play from that team, Brady McConnell. He's now breaking down the little minors. So we got another teammate in the system. But uh, I think it's pretty cool. I'm sure it helps with their comfortability. Well, Patrick, I appreciate the time. Patrick Brennan from uh, BeyondTheBoxScore.com. I noticed that your Twitter background picture is Bob Dylan with the Watch It picture. Have you seen the Bob Dylan documentary on uh, on Netflix? I don't know. My dad actually mentioned to me, so I, got I didn't even know it was coming out, but is it out yet? It is out. It's on uh, Netflix right now, actually. You should go check it out. It'll probably rock your world a little bit differently. Yeah, I'll, I'll be watching that soon. All right, thanks, Patrick. Thanks for joining us today. Patrick Brennan, a lot of stuff coming out of the minor league system. you got to look at the future, 2021, 2022. That's where we're going to see these Royals pitchers really escalate. That's where we're going to see things get going a little bit more in the future of the Royals. Like I've said, Kowar, Singer, both went to the same school. Both went to the same college, got drafted by the same major league team. To me... That helps when it gets involved in moving the needle when it comes to pairing people together. And again, I know that it's been a rough go at it these last two years. Not two full years, but you get what I'm saying when it comes to this Major League roster. That's going to be a storyline when these kids come up in 21, 20, 22, somewhere in that time frame. Singer, Coart, Lynch. If Stalmont makes it, eventually he should. And where they'll go, because I know Ned's not a big fan of the openers. I know he likes traditional baseball. He's not a big fan of analytics. He thinks it ruins the game, shifts, and all that type of thing. But the game is changing. Sometimes you do too. But your roster is going to change, and it's going to be for the better in a few years. Coming up, I had, a t- I had a topic that we talked about at the beginning of the show where there's a rivalry in football of two quarterbacks. You know who it is. But why is it and why it's important that they stay relevant? Well, I don't think either one's going anywhere anytime soon. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price. 610 Sports Radio. Back in on 610 Sports Radio, Out of Bounds, Dusty Likens, Jason Cuts. Just joined by Patrick Brennan. A little interview there. Got to talk about a little bit of young Royals prospects coming up. We think the target time a lot. I say we, he, myself, Cats. I think we all kind of agree to this, that it's, uh, it's 2021 is probably the stamp it year, right? This team will be pretty exciting. Yeah, it, Royals fans, don't, don't you worry. It's... It's on the come up again. Hunter Dozier will be 40 by then. I'm kidding. He'll be like 31, 32. He'll be where Wit is right now. And I'm not sure Wit will be here, but that'd be kind of crazy. Oh, by the way, when it comes to the World Cup, your update. The final four is set. The United States will play England, and the Netherlands and Sweden will play as Sweden has beaten Germany in an upset 2-1. to one. And the final four is set. 
for the Women's World Cup of 2019 in France as the United States will play England, the Netherlands will play Sweden, and then the winners of those games will play in the World Cup finale where the United States will look to win yet another World Cup. Uh, We'll get to that towards the end of the show, but what we did to start the show I thought was very interesting because I read that article from Pro Football Focus or Pro Football Talk about it's been three years since the last installment of the Patrick Mahomes, I'm sorry, of the Tom Brady-Peyton Manning rivalry matchup. If you're me, you spend a lot of your teenage youth years watching the Patriots and the Colts battle it out to see which team was going to go to the playoffs, or I mean go to the Super Bowl, or which team was going to go represent the AFC, or which team was going to win when it came to the AFC championship game. And they kind of asked themselves, well, what happens if that rivalry never exists again? And it's not. You're not going to see Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady. Those two guys are generational talents. Peyton Manning changed the game when it came to playing call or calling plays in the huddle and as opposed to calling plays at the line of scrimmage. In fact, I remember he even changed the game of Madden to where you could do that at the line of scrimmage and do all the mannerisms that Peyton Manning would do. All the hand gestures, all the signal call-outs, all that type of stuff. And Tom Brady changed it into being basically the best system quarterback that we'll ever see in the history of the NFL. Now, Tom Brady's wicked talent is very good. And Tom Brady's way of being able to read a defense has been really good. And Tom Brady changed the game as into you don't need certain stars to do certain things for you as long as you have a really smart head coach and a quarterback that's also very talented and smart as well. And then you ask yourself in this article, and they asked us, will we ever see it again? Clint the Mailman, listener number seven, or listener number three for Show and Vern, said it's a trio of rivalries, that it's Mahomes, Baker, and Watson. I disagree. I don't think Deshaun Watson is part of that. He's got to prove himself in the playoffs first. That's fair. Same with Baker. And I get it. I mean... Yeah, I mean, for sure. And, I mean, we're all young in this process. And that's why you want to jump on something like this now. But it was in college where this started. Because, like everything, a rivalry needs an origin story, and it needs a heavy favorite and a heavy heel. I don't know why, but for a lot of people, Baker Mayfield is not perceived as light, and he is a type of heel type of player. He got caught by the cops on camera. They told, don't run, Baker. He got speared and tackled down. He grabbed his junk in a game against the Kansas Jayhawks. He transferred from Texas Tech to Oklahoma. And he does a lot of overmodulated type of stuff. He's got his own little dance moves. He played at Oklahoma. Not a lot of people like Oklahoma. Put himself on the national stage, winning the Heisman Trophy. And that's Baker Mayfield. Patrick Mahomes, I'm sorry, but gets more recognition for being an NFL quarterback than he did as a college quarterback. Now, I know there's nerds out there like Jay Binkley 
who will say, oh, I watched Patrick Mahomes ever since he was 16, 17 years old, 18 years old, 19 years old. In fact, I had him in my mock draft, Dirty Werewolf. Had him getting selected by the Chiefs, seventh overall. Wherever he had him selected. And then Patrick Mahomes comes to the NFL, and here's this guy with a little raspy of a voice, wears a headband with the nice curly hair, throws the ball 1,000 yards in the air, could throw it behind his back, not looking at the guy, can throw it with his left hand, his right hand, and does all this fun stuff and is on the cover of Madden. And he's automatically the baby face of the NFL. He's new. He's fresh. He's exciting. He's exhilarating. He's talented. He's great guy off the field. Has pictures of his dog on Instagram, whereas Baker Mayfield has a picture shirtless with a, with a bingle outside of Rolls Royce. That's heel, baby. Patrick Mahomes is baby face, and that's where the rivalry can start. And it can also go back to what we said in college, where Baker was at Texas Tech, transferred to Oklahoma, because why? Because Baker knew there was a guy with an explosive arm in front of him that he was never going to play in front of. And in fact, when they played each other in college, the game was OU in favor, 66-59. to 59. A single-game yardage record of 1,700. In fact, it was 1,708. Mahomes set the NCAA record for individual offense in a game with 819 combined passing and rushing yards. He broke the record for a combined passing yardage in an NCAA game with a 1,279. The two did combined. Damn. Mahomes tied Washington State's Connor Holiday for the most passing yards in a Division I game with 734. The previous record, 736 in a Division Three game, Eureka's Sam Durley in 2012. Baker Mayfield set a school record at Oklahoma for passing touchdowns in that game with seven. Mahomes set several other Big 12 records, including most completions in a game, 52, previously held at Texas Tech by Cliff Kingsbury, who taught Patrick Mahomes the ropes in college, who is now an NFL coach because of Patrick Mahomes. And Mahomes and Mayfield set the FBS record for most combined offense by two players with 1,383. Oh, by the way, they already played each other last year, and Patrick Mahomes is 1-0 in the NFL. And why this rivalry is so great is because both guys had very, very fun first years as starters. Patrick Mahomes, 12-4, and 66 completion percentage, 5,097 yards passing, an 8.8-yard attempt, 50 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Baker Mayfield kind of slips under the radar because of the fact that Patrick Mahomes was only the third player in the history of the NFL to throw for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns. And Baker Mayfield, in the 14 games that he played in, he went 6-7 and seven with a 63.8. Patrick Mahomes, 66%. So not far off. He threw for 3,725 yards in two fewer games. Now, he wouldn't have caught Patrick in the 5,000, but he would have thrown for 4,000, 4,000 plus. He only needed 275 more yards to throw for 4,000. And he threw for 27 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. Now, that's not 50 and 12, but that could have been 43 and 17. That's pretty damn good. And those are two quarterbacks that look like they're going to be good for the future. So if you're ready to build a rivalry and you're ready to be all in on a QB1 versus QB1, it's not Aaron Rodgers versus Mitchell Trubisky. 
It's not Deshaun Watson versus Marcus Mariota in that division. Hell, it's not Mahomes versus Luck. It's Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield because of the longevity that sets this. They talked about the college game last year before the Browns and the Chiefs played each other. They talked about the transfer of Baker Baker Mayfield before the game even started. And now you've got a regular season under your belt. You've got a record that has started to tick. And you have a favorsome of Patrick Mahomes, who's 1-0. And here comes the dark horse in the Cleveland Browns, who have been atrocious for the last few years. They haven't found their prince that was promised, Game of Thrones reference, and a quarterback. Now they've got him. They've got the 6-1-2-15 throwing right-handed quarterback in Baker Mayfield, who's got star potential, Heisman Trophy winner, lots of pizzazz, dripping and sauce. And then you've got Patrick Mahomes, who everybody likes, unless you're Denver, Oakland, Los Angeles. And hell, I bet there's Chargers fans who are like, man, I love Mahomes, except for two times a year. And now you have these two guys, both in the AFC, Baker Mayfield now loaded with talent around him with Odell, Jarvis, Duke Johnson, who we don't know what's going to happen, but Nick Chubb, and soon to be back on the roster or on the team, Kareem Hunt. There's another tie to Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield. Kareem Hunt was Patrick Patrick Mahomes first. Then some instances happened, and Cleveland picked him up. Oh, by the way, to dig deeper in the rivalry, John Dorsey, who supposedly drafted Patrick Mahomes, Lee Steinberg, Patrick Mahomes' agent, will say it was Brett Veach, now has his new quarterback in Baker Mayfield. There's a lot of parallel here. There's a lot of dots that connect that make these two teams and these two gentlemen who are very young, Patrick Mahomes, who will be 24 in September, Baker Mayfield, who will be 24 this year. Or he's already 24. He just turned 24 in April. Same age. Played in the same division in college. Now we'll play against each other because they both should be very good in their teams, and their teams should be good. Mahomes, Super Bowl contender. Cleveland Browns, Lot would say are the favorites to win the North in the AFC and a division that has been dominated by Pittsburgh and Baltimore. I'd agree with that. Right? Especially with how good that defense is. I know they lost uh, they lost Jabril Peppers, I believe, in a, a trade. They lost Ed Reed, or not Ed Reed, but they lost uh, they lost Weddle. They went out and got Earl Thomas, obviously. Yeah. And the offensive side, they picked up uh, the old guy from uh, the Saints, uh, Mark Ingram. Yeah. So they have Mark Ingram, Lamar Jackson on offense. They've got um, Earl Thomas in the secondary, who was also tied to the Chiefs as well for Baltimore. But to go back to the original rivalry, Mahomes-Baker. There's a lot of history, and there's a lot of what's going to be promised in the future because both teams finish in the top of their divisions in the AFC. You're playing each other every year. They're here, and I'll tell you what, I'm going to pay to see it. It started in college when Mayfield, when Baker Mayfield transferred from Texas Tech to Oklahoma. Then they played, and the score was 66-59, to and all sorts of college records were broke. And now the clock is ticked in the NFL as Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield have already squared off, and the babyface has already beat the heel 1-0. You can hate Baker all you want. I love Baker. Baker's my guy. I also like Patrick Mahomes a lot. And I am all in when it comes to these two guys playing and starting a little bit earlier than than, uh, Brady and Manning. And that's your rivalry when it comes to QB versus QB in the NFL. There is no more discussion. There is no other team. 
There is no other one versus one. It's Mayfield. It's Mahomes. That's your rivalry. It's 144 on a Saturday afternoon. That means we've got 16 minutes plus a four-minute break, and then you get Cody Tapp at 2 o'clock and the Royals at 307 in Toronto. Coming up, there were some storylines throughout the week that involve sports, some local ties, and also we get you set up for next week. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price, 610 Sports Radio. The final segment of Out of Bounds, and we've got about 12 minutes, and then Cody Tapp, Royals Insider, takes you on a ride to Canada because that's where the Royals are playing right now. They're playing in Toronto, home of the NBA champions, the Toronto Raptors. We the North. That's right. Game of Thrones reference. By the way, you see they're starting to already film the uh, prequels to Game of Thrones? No, they're I did in, not. They're over in Scotland. They're, uh, they're, yeah, Belfast. Yeah, they're uh, they're uh, filming the like what will be like the, the successes of the Night King and like the Children of the Forest for those nerds out there that listen to... Nick Price and I do the game or the show that has no name, the Game of the Re- Game of Thrones recap show. Right now, the game in London is eight six Yankees, and we're going to the bottom of the third. Uno Ciro mentioned this, and we were talking about it a little bit during the break. But like, this is the best thing for the like the MLB could not have asked for a better start to this first game in London ever That's than fair. an eight to six. Like, and let's see what inning is it in, it's in the now? bottom it's of in the, the third. bottom of the third. Now. That's right. Yeah, there's fourteen That's incredible. runs. Incredible. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I guess if you want anything, offense always sells. What's the old saying? Chicks dig the long ball. Chicks definitely dig the long ball. You remember that commercial? Were you too young when Greg Maddox and Tom Glavin were, like, throwing back and forth and, like, pitching practice, and then, like, McGuire's in the batting cage just, like, cranking home runs, and it shows, like, 90s girls with, like, gigantic bangs and, like, airbrushed jeans, and they're just watching McGuire hit home runs, and they're I just so excited. S- I want to say I remember that, but if 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 I do, it was I was very, very And then young. it throws into a montage of, like, Glavitt and Maddox, like, working out, trying to hit the ball because, like, they're clearly, like, we're studs <laughs> pitching. Right. I also saw a funny meme on Facebook that said, I asked Greg Maddox to paint yep, my house. Yeah, I saw that. And all I he saw did was too. paint the corner. Uh, <laughs> dude, nobody, and, like, for for me, my dad, big Cubs fan, and, yeah. like, you know, Greg Maddox started his career yeah. with the Cubs in the 80s and, like. Ended it there, too. Ended it there, too, exactly. Right. But, uh, no, my dad was, I mean, that two-seam fastball of his mm. would just, that had a dipsy doodle little tail Everything to moved, it. Everything moved, man. He threw anything oh, it moved. Oh, man. I mean, didn't throw over 95. Definitely didn't throw over 95. Maybe got to 92. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe in the late 80s, early 90s. He was an 88 to 89 kind of guy. You just didn't know where it was going to end up. And he, and he was a, really he was really good at mixing his speeds. Like Yeah, he'd throw 78 and then throw you at 81, and it looked like the same pitch. And then he'd sneak in like an 88-mile-an-hour two-seam fastball, and you'd say – what, he'd look at the radar and you'd just be so baffled because you looked at it and it'd say 88 miles per hour and you're like, that thing was definitely buzzing in at 95. And it's like, wait a minute, this is Greg Maddox. He didn't throw like that. Then you had Tom Glavin who came in right behind him the next day that threw left-handed and didn't know where the ball was going to start. And then they had Smoltzy who would throw smoke. and No, but for me, it, it didn't get much better than Maddox throwing a backdoor little uh, little cutter to, uh, to all those left-handed batters to get him out. It was... Oh, man, that man was sensational on the mound. So this is a little segment that I've started up in the top of my head this morning at about 9.45. Uh, it's just kind of like a lightning round of high, of like a little bit of articles or things that I've read throughout the week. This week, uh, LeBron James, um, he's changing his number from 23 to 6. At least we don't know officially if he's going to 6, but he's giving Anthony Davis 23. 
There's only one other number LeBron James has wore. It was six. He wore it in Miami. He wore it for the guy. Olympic team. Yeah, and again, I, I've said this before. Nick Price knows this. I'm a big fan of the heel. I like the heel. I like the bad guy in sports. I don't like bad guys in real life, obviously, but I like the bad guy role in sports. And when you look at LeBron James when he went to Miami and did the whole not one, not two, not three, he was the bad guy. People were like, oh, he spent all this time on TV deciding where he's going to go. And in the last five minutes, he told us Miami. It's for a charity. Going to take it, my town to South Beach. Exactly. And he became number six. That team kind of changed its face. Dwayne Wade kind of rode in there as well with Chris Bosh, and they became the team that they were. Should have won at least three titles. They only won two. Ray Allen was part of that team as well. But now it appears that he's going to go back to number six. It appears he's going to change the number in L.A., which people I think is so condescending because people are like, well, it's pretty weird you change the number in L.A. Kobe Bryant did it. He went from eight to 23. Or I'm sorry, 24. eight to 24. And then they retired both numbers. I, for, I, I was going to ask. I was like, did they retire both of the, I Both was, numbers. Yeah, I, th- I, I thought both they did, numbers. but I didn't Kobe remember for sure. Kobe took away two jersey numbers. There's like 18 <laughs> that are retired, I was about and to Kobe say, took two. Because the Lakers haven't had anybody yeah, good enough to Kobe retire their number. Yeah, Kobe turned into 24. Hairline Kobe was number eight. Also this week, Women's World Cup. They're in the final four. They had a tremendous win over France, which a lot of people thought that was the World Cup. Like, that was the match that was going to eventually go on and be the way it was. You look at who U.S. has beaten, major countries, Spain, France. Now they play England. They win that game. They play the winner of Netherlands and Sweden. Take out all of Europe, basically. They're doing the Mr. Freeze run right now in England. He's definitely <laughs> catching the guys. Oh, no, the guy he's is done. sucking he's wind. Done. He's going to fall on his... Oh, oh he lost! Frozone lost! Almost pulled a heart so gray there, though, too. Mm, he did almost eat dirt, which I don't think that's dirt. That just might have been fish and chips. It's been being played in London. The score is 8-6 to six in the bottom of the third with one out. Yankees, Red Sacks. They'll play tomorrow, too. Also, in other news, I mean, just literally watch the Women's World Cup. If you're not in all, all, already, I don't know what's going to get you there. Maybe it was the Final Four because you knew the USA would get there eventually. Possibly. But watch it. It's fun. Alex Morgan, Rapino, all these girls. They're fun to watch. They're going to win one for your country. And they're going to do it in dramatic fashion. The Spain game, a lot of people gave them back for that. Two minutes now we get to bring us to the two minute, the two minute warning. warning. What the heck? Let's go. This is the two minute warning. Before we get into the two minute warning, where we recap everything we've talked about today, you might have missed this. But breaking news that came out yesterday, Jason Brown. Who the hell is Jason Brown? Netflix watchers, you know it. Last Chance you, you know him. I've had him on this show before. Last year, Jason Brown, the former Independence Kansas football coach, which was featured on the Netflix series Last Chance You, has been charged with eight felony counts of blackmail and identity theft in Montgomery County for trying to silence two local newspapers. If you remember from earlier this year, Jason Brown was removed from the roster of coaching when it came to Independence, Kansas, because he told a young man that he was, in fact, his new Hitler. Eight charges. Eight two felony charges of felony counts of blackmail and identity theft in Montgomery County for trying to silence local newspapers. You can catch the full article at Sean E. Fry on Twitter. Sean E. Fry, if you want to read more into that. But damn, that series will start up July 17th. They've got to reconcile and see what happened where this whole situation happened. But yeah, Jason Brown, gone. 
ready for that new season to drop, though. For sure. Last season was great, basically because of his foul mouth and his actions. You didn't oh, know what so he was going to awesome. do next. Not that, Buddy that wasn't, not that Buddy wasn't good, but Jason took it to a whole new level. Yeah, now that we know that he's fired and has eight felony counts of identity <laughs> theft and fraud. Jeez. We talked about the new rivalry in football. It's Mahomes and Mayfield. I believe it's already been made. It's already there. We just got to keep riding it out. And Patrick Mahomes is on the scoreboard as 1-0. Also, Jorge Soler probably should do the home run derby. If he does, I don't know. You get a million dollars, he can hit the ball to the moon. He hit the catwalk in Cleveland the other night on a foul ball. And as Hudler said, it went from one stadium to the other stadium. Mahomes, Baker, Soler, Brady Singer's on his way. Tyree Kill should be at camp. By then, we should have a suspension announced if there is one. But it won't be for another week because Roger Goodell has given all of his people and his employers the week off for the 4th of July, as Adam Schefter tweeted that out. And they all were happy. For Jason Katz, filling in for Nick Price, I appreciate it, Katz. I know you're on to bigger and brighter things. Congratulations to that. Yeah, I'll, uh, I mean, I guess I'll announce it here that, uh, yeah, starting Monday, I will be the new producer of Middays with Jamie and Wicked over on KNBZ. There you go. Show and Vern, one of your own. So we move on from that. Coming up after me is Cody Tapp and the Royals. He'll get you started in pregame. The Royals will get you going. And then all of a sudden, you get the Toronto Blue Jays and Royals starting at 307. It's Homer Bailey versus Stroman. Two guys who are trying to show their worth when it comes to the trade deadline. And to the city of Kansas City, to all of you beautiful people out there, keep letting your voice be heard. Keep doing you and making things the way that you want to do them. It's a beautiful Saturday. The July 4th holiday is coming up next week. I'll talk to you next week at some point. I can tell you when, but that just would ruin the tease. For Jason Ketz, for myself, Dusty Likens, and for Cody Tap coming up next, Kansas City. Stay great, stay happy, and stay fun. Be safe. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price. 610 Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.